challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Great to have you here at the Great Man Podcast. Listen, a big announcement. Our book, Building Your Band of Brothers, is now available on Amazon for the first time. Up till now, you've only been able to get the paper version of that book from us, as you know. But we've made some changes because of the volume of interest in this book, and you can now get it on Amazon. It's just $10. There's free shipping with Prime. Many of you know what Prime is. You can pre-order now for the June 30th release. I really want you to get it. I really want you to send it to people. I really want you to use it. And by the way, in the show notes for this podcast, this episode, we'll have uh, the links for the English and Spanish versions. Remember... Uh, that we work hard to make sure that all my books for men are in Spanish because our brothers in the Spanish-speaking world are really in a crisis of manhood, so we're working hard to to help them. So remember now, Building Your Band of Brothers, my little books about how to build a band of brothers, my own story, some of the tactics, the principles, the benefits of Building a Band of Brothers is now going to be, as of the end of June, available on Amazon. Buy it, buy it big, use it, distribute it. It's only $10. And again, if you have Prime, it's free shipping. All right, I want to dive into a topic that really moves me and uh, something I want to urge on you, something I think will help you, particularly during these summer months. Um, But it is a lesson that's best drawn from a movie. As you guys know, I use movie illusions a lot to illustrate manly principles, and I use quotes, and I always list movies in the back of my books for men and things like that, because movies are sort of the stained glass, the literature of our generation. Far more people see movies than read some of the major critical books, certainly than read the classics. So in the 1800s in England, you could have referred to a Dickens book, and almost everybody would have known it. You could have alluded to two sentences from a Dickens book, and everybody would have known what you were talking about. Uh, but today, that's, that's not the case. But they do know movie quotes, and they do know uh, the quotes from the great films. So uh, I want to draw a principle of manhood, a dichotomy, a tension in manhood from one of my favorite movies called Legends of the Fall. Maybe you've seen it. If you haven't, please plan to see it soon and see it with a bunch of guys. I think it's a very, very valuable film. It's written by the author Jim Harrison, who's written a lot of uh, stories about the wild and about nature and so on. You can look him up. He has uh, passed away in the last few years. The story is about a family uh, in Canada, actually in the northern part of the United States, Uh, Anthony Hopkins plays the head of this family. There are three sons, um, and there are two sons in particular that are important. I'm not going to do any spoilers here because some of you will not have seen it, but there are two sons who, in particular, uh, who are important. One's name is Tristan, and he's played by Brad Pitt, powerfully, beautifully played by Brad Pitt. The other son is Alfred. Now, there are three sons, but I'm not going to tell you about the, 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 the third son. The second son... Uh, is Alfred. He's played by a fine actor named Aidan Quinn. When you see the movie, you'll realize you know who that is, even if you don't recognize the name. 
And and again, I'm not going to go into the full story of, of the film. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's very, very powerful, very beautifully shot. But here's the tension I want to draw out. Without question, Tristan, again, played by Brad Pitt beautifully, um, is really symbolic of the wild. He lives close to nature. He's earthy. Um, he's a little crass in his humor. He's mentored by an Indian named One Stab. Um, and that Indian comments on Tristan's life throughout the movie as part of the narration. It's beautifully done. Um, so Tristan is the wild one. Alfred is the more refined, the better behaved, the better educated. Um, he becomes an army officer. He is later successful in business. He um, he is some, some people are talking about him, perhaps running for mayor or running for governor or being in high office. In other words, he's that kind of person. He's trim. He's good looking. He's proper. He's wealthy. He's admired, uh, etc. Tristan Wilder. Tristan um, passionate, a little crazy at times. In fact, he actually descends into some insanity uh, during the film after a traumatic experience I won't tell you about. But here's where I want to go with this. At a certain critical moment in the film, Alfred, again, the refined brother, the educated brother, the successful, the rising in society, etc., turns to Tristan, uh, a troubled man, passionate, close to nature, called wild a number of times in the film. We're supposed to get the point that he symbolizes the wildness and the nature of man. But Alfred turns to Tristan and he says, I followed all the rules, man's and God's, and you, you followed none of them. And they all loved you more. Samuel, that's the younger brother, father, and, and even my wife, they all loved you more. Now, this movie beautifully brings out in the skillful pen of Jim Harrison a tension that men live in. It's an unfair tension, but it's nevertheless there. And I want to draw it out as a lesson for you in this podcast. We are born as men. We have our wildness. We start exhibiting that as little boys. We tear up the house. We terrorize our sisters. We beat the tar out of our brothers. We're rough. We're dirty. We're rowdy. Uh, and that's, the, that's that passionate nature within us. And society almost immediately starts telling us, and by society, I mean even our parents, they have to do it. You'll understand why when I say it. They have to start giving us the rules. They have to start telling us what not to do. They have to start taming us. And, and I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. Obviously, my mother had to tell me not to punch my sister. Obviously, my mother had to tell me not to, you know, break wind or belch right in the middle of a meal. Obviously, my mother had to tell me how to clean up and, and uh, how not to use my strength to harm people and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She had to tame me. My parents had to tame me. I was, especially in my case, living in a military base. People were watching our family. Are they raising their kids right? You know, it's a reflection on my father's military career, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody has some version of this. But we're tamed. We're taught the rules. Then we get in school, of course, and it becomes even more intense. You know, psychologically, males, young males can trail behind girls as much as five years. So, they, so a boy and a girl can both be, let's say, 13 years old. 
But the boy, completely normal, with no mental problems, no defects, no deformities, um, he can be intellectually five years behind the girl. And now that tends to even out along about college or just shortly after college age. But my point is that we're told to behave ourselves. We're told to sit still. We're told not to be physical. We're told not to be violent. We're told not to fight at recess. We're told and we're kept and we're tamed. Well, what happens over the course of a man's life is he's got this tension between his innate wildness and the rule, the rule keeper, that 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 governor inside of him that, that has absorbed all the rules throughout his life. Now, we believe in rules. We believe in behavior, right? Don't punch your sister in the face is obviously something we want every young man to know. And a whole lot of other things besides that. Don't pick on the weak. You know, all these kind of rules, they're important. Some of them are important. The problem is, especially in our uh, highly managerial, uh, highly observed society, highly rules-oriented society, I would even say legalistic society, that a man can completely lose his wildness. He can completely lose the passionate side of himself. And here's the tragedy. Here's the sadness of it all. That the very people who are telling him to behave himself, and here's the rules, and here's what to do, and here's what not to do, can then later in life blame him for being boring, for being an Alfred from Legends of the Fall from following all the rules and not being the most engaging version of himself. Now, this sounds like I'm complaining about something and also saying it's necessary at the same time. What I'm saying is society and our families obviously have to tame us to a degree. Otherwise, we come from the womb and we'd be violent, terrifying barbarians, right? So we, want to be, we need to be tamed to some degree. Um, and frankly, the problem in our generation is that young boys are, are you know, they aren't, they don't have much, that, that wildness is rarely awakened. They're, they're basically raised as girls in a lot of cases. So I'm just speaking in general now that a boy comes along and he's got this innate wildness and somebody starts to tell him not to give himself to it. He's tamed and he's tamed and he's tamed and school does it and family does it and others do it. And then eventually it can get to the point where he's he's trying to please everybody and do what a quote unquote good man would do by observing all the rules but what but he's doing that at the expense of his inner nature of his of his inner wildness i don't mean wildness in the sense of barbarians terrorizing villages i mean just his inner passion his inner zeal his inner life his inner joy his inner poetry his barbaric yawp as Whitman said, <laughs> I mean, uh, his, the, the side of him that is manly and passionate and alive and wants to stand naked on a mountain and bark at the moon. I mean, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're wolves for heaven's sakes, but I'm saying that part goes away. He ends up overly domesticated. And what can often happen, and I can tell you that having been a pastor and a counselor, I've had women look me in the face and just say, my husband is utterly boring. Now I'm looking at this guy, he's a good looking guy, and he's trying to do the right thing, but he's become the rule keeper. He's followed the rules, he's doing all the duties, he's doing everything he's supposed to do, but he's lost himself. He's lost, if I was in the locker room, I'd say this differently, uh, but he's lost himself, he's lost his inner wildness, he's lost, I don't mean, it, it's not an animal nature, it's an alive, passionate male nature. Uh, what we see in sports, what we should see in, in the wild when we're hunting and we're hiking and we're, you know, doing things, what we what we see in a big old scrum, you know, in, a, in sports where, you know, I love the I love the face of a guy who gets into a scrum, maybe in a, 
in a, in a game and he comes up and he's a little bloodied and he's a little dirty, but he's got this goofy look on his face and uh, his wife or his mother or the people standing around are kind of women anyway, are kind of horrified at how he looks, but he's, he feels alive. Now here's the lesson of what I'm trying to say. A man has to be responsible to nurture that wildness on his own. Society is about taming us and I'm not blaming them for that. It tames everybody. Our companies tend to be about taming us. Our families tend to be about taming us. Obviously, we have to learn how to live in society and not be destructive and not use our strength for damage and not molest and not rape and not, you know, steal and maraud. Obviously, there's got to be some taming, some quote unquote civilizing. But if we aren't taught and we usually aren't by our fathers, by our uncles, by our brothers, by the men in our tribes that we've got to keep some of that inner wildness and passion and life happening alive, but use it the right way now. Nothing makes me angry that a man who's beaten his wife or beaten a woman, that's, that makes me furious. And I've actually been privileged to step in and stop that a couple of times with some other men. I think it's a, that disgusts me. Often when men are violent at home, it's because they're, well, they're just got a quirk in their soul. They got something weird in their soul. Um, and they need to be straightened out. But also, they often aren't channeling passion, zeal, controlled violence, other things in constructive ways. They're not playing pickup football. They're not going for the hunt. They're not going for the hike. They're not working out to the point of exhaustion. They're not They're not beating a, a punching bag or practice bag. I'm sorry, I don't box. I don't know what those bags are called. Speed bag, I think, the, the, the thing that hangs down and you hit rapidly. It's called a speed bag. They're not doing those things that that a man sometimes needs to keep that part of himself alive. So here's the lesson I'm trying to say, because I like to keep this podcast short. I believe there's a a bit of of a trick done on us. We're domesticated, domesticated, domesticated. We get to a certain point in life. We're observing the rules if we're trying to be good men. We're trying to make everybody happy from, from our religion. And, and yes, of course, religion comes with, with rules, and it should. Um, and our jobs and our families and the new rules we have to learn when we have children and all that kind of stuff, we often lose ourselves. I've talked many times about how we lose our friends. We, lose, we don't have a band of brothers. And so now, literally, a woman can look a man in the face and say, you're just boring. You're doing all the duties. You're doing all the rules. She wouldn't probably say it this way, but this is the implication. And I'm just bored by you. And I've many times sat with a couple where the wife's had an affair or, or let, wants to leave him, and she's just bored by him. Just bored. And so it comes back to the legends of the fall. Listen to what Alfred said. I followed all the rules, man's and God's. And you, you followed none of them, Tristan, you symbol of wildness. And they all loved you more. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that if you're not a caveman in your home, they're not going to love you. But I am saying that you can't pack away part of who you are and expect to be whole and fully engaging and for people to respond to you fully. That's not going to happen. You need to have all the, all the facets of the diamond of manhood working in your life. You need to be, yes, there needs to be an intellectual side of you, a reader side, a poetry side, a thinker side, yes. Because the thinker is also the guy handling the investments. The thinker is also the guy designing the new addition on the house. The thinker is also the guy who's you know strategizing about how to buy cars or pay for college. So that thinking intellectual side, that's important. 
Yeah, you want the physical side to be awakened. You want to have sex. You want to wrestle the kids. You want to build things. You want to stay healthy. You want to keep that passionate side going. You want to, you want to have that, that controlled wildness. I call it controlled violence that's in a man's soul. It's, it's how we're made. And once we learn how to handle it, it should be handled through sports. It should be handled through ventures into the wild. It should be handled with our buddies. You understand what I'm saying? But you've got to keep that part of yourself alive. You got to keep that part of yourself awakened. It's not just done by watching movies and watching somebody else do it. And your wife can't teach you. Society, for the most part, won't teach you. Most men don't have fathers who taught them. I'm sorry to say that. We're trying to change that in this generation. And often your band of brothers, the guys around you, they don't know any more about it than you do. You've got a Tristan and an Alfred nature in you. You can't let either one dominate. What happens for a lot of guys in our legalistic rules-oriented society is that the man loses Tristan, the wild guy, and he becomes the rule keeper. He's 40 pounds overweight. He's tired. He's keeping all the rules, making the boss, the wife, the kids, the in-laws, the whoever's and the whatever's happy. Even if he thinks he's even keeping God happy that way. And what's actually happening is that he's shrinking. And he's losing the Tristan nature, which is part of what a man is. But here's the lesson. The rules pretty much take care of themselves. We hear the rules. We have them taught to us. We hear them in our churches as we should. I'm not putting down religion and rules. Every religion comes with boundaries and with laws and with requirements. That's, that's the nature of divinity in our lives. But we can, it can be overdone. We can overabsorb it. We can become too tame. Then we become boring. Then we cease to be alive. We cease to be on the hunt in the bedroom. We cease to be alive uh, in other areas of our lives. We don't even make that good of an employee because we're just so domesticated, got our little sandwich, our little brown sandwich bag, and we're living our little poindexter life with our slide rules. And I don't mean to be insulting about it. That's how some, some of us work. And I've certainly carried my lunch to work in a brown paper bag. But the point is you can't let your soul die. So keep Alfred and Tristan both alive. Take a look at your life right now and see if you've become overly domesticated, overly rules dominated. Would you be willing, could you truthfully echo what Alfred said to Tristan in Legends of the Fall? I did it all right. I did what everybody wanted me to, God and man. They didn't love me. They loved you, wild man who blew them up and hurt them and abandoned them. And the point is not either one of these men should be to an extreme in our souls. They both need to be present. See the movie. See the dichotomy. Think about this in your own life. Ask if some of your relationships are troubled because there's not passion. Do your, do your kids feel your passion for them, your love for them, and taking them perhaps into the wild and having rowdy times? Can you throw them around the pool and wrestle them in the sprinkler or whatever? It doesn't have to be anything big and expensive. Are you alive? Are you present? Do you love them passionately? Do you touch them appropriately and hug them and, and all the things you're supposed to do? You understand what I mean. Are you there? Are you present? Are you fully engaged as a man? Or have you become a rule observer who's dried up and desiccated? I don't mean to be insulting, but Alfred and Tristan both have to be alive in our souls and they both come with their benefits and they both come with our dangers, but they're both part of who we are because this is one of the great arts of great manhood. To join the great man movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, 
go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 